0: Chapter Seventeen of Beyond the Rocks: A Love Story by Eleanor Glyn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Amy Deutschler. Meanwhile, Hector reached the opera and made his way to the omnibus box where he had his seat. He felt he could not stand Morella Winmarley just yet. The second act of Faust was almost over and with his glass he swept the rows of boxes in vain to find theodora he sat a few minutes but restlessness seized him he must go to the other side and ascertain if he could be discovered from there morella Winmerley's box commanded a good view for this purpose so after all he would face her he looked up at her opposite she sat there with his mother and she seemed more thoroughly wholesomely unattractive than ever to him he hated that shade of turquoise blue she was so fond of and those unmeaning bits and bows she had stuck about she was a large young woman with a stolid english fairness her hair had the flaxen ends and sandy roots one so often sees in those women whose locks have been golden as children it was a thin dank kind of hair too with no glints anywhere her eyes were blue and large and meaningless and rather prominent and her lightish eyelashes seemed to give no shade to them morella's orbs just looked out at you like the bow windows of a seaside villa Staring and commonplace, her features were regular, and her complexion, if somewhat all too red, was fresh withal. So that possessing an income of many thousands, she passed for a beauty of exceptional merit. She had a good maid who used her fingers dexterously and did what she could with a mistress devoid of all sense of form or color. Miss Winmerly went to the opera regularly and sat solidly through it. The music said nothing to her, but it was the right place for her to be, and she could talk to her friends before going on to the numerous balls she attended. If she loved anything in the world, she loved Hector Brackendale, but her feelings gave her no anxieties. He would certainly marry her presently, the affair would be so suitable to all parties. Meanwhile, there was plenty of time and all was in order the perfect method of her account-books in which the last sixpence she spent in the day was duly entered translated itself to her life method and order were its watchwords and if the people who knew her intimately such as her chaperone mrs herrick and her maid gibson thought her mean she was not aware of their opinion and went her way in solid rejoicing lady Brackendale was really attached to her morella's decorum her absence of all daring thought in conversation pleased her so she had none of that feeling when with miss Winmerley she suffered in the company of her daughter anne who said things so often she did not quite understand yet which she dimly felt might have two meanings and one of them a meaning she most probably would disapprove of she loved Anne, of course, but oh, that she could have been more like herself or Morella Winmerly. Both women saw Hector in the omnibus box and saw him leave it and were quite ready with their greetings when he joined them. Miss Winmerly had a slight air of proprietorship about her, which everyone knew when Hector was there, and most people thought as she did that he would certainly marry her in the near future he was glad it was not between the acts there was no excuse for conversation after their greeting so he searched the house in peace with his glasses and although he was hoping to see theodora his heart gave a great bound of surprised joy when on the pit tier almost next to the box he had just left he discovered her he supposed it was a box often let to strangers that season as he could not remember whose the name was as he had passed he got back into the shadow that his gaze should not be too remarkable she had not caught sight of him yet or so it seemed there she sat with her husband and another woman whom he recognized as one of those kind creatures who go everywhere in society and help strangers when suitably compensated for their trouble where on earth could she have come across Mrs. Devlin, he wondered, a poisonous woman who would fill her ears with tales of all the world? Then he guessed, and rightly, the introduction had been effected by Captain Fitzgerald, who would probably have known her in his own day. Theodore appeared rapt in the music, and was an enthralling picture of loveliness her fineness seemed to make all the women's faces who were near look coarse and her whiteness turned them into gipsies she wore a gown of black velvet with no relief whatever only her dazzling skin and her great pearls he feasted his eyes upon her eyes hungry with a week's abstinence for he had felt it more prudent to remain in paris for some days after she had left he looked round the rest of the house and understood all the other men could and probably would gaze too and then he began to feel hot and jealous this was different from paris where she was more or less a tourist but here how long would she be left in peace without siege being laid to her he knew his world and the men it contained Yes, at that moment the door at the back of the box opened, and Delaval Sterling came in, Josiah Brown making way for him to sit in front, Delaval Sterling, This was too much. And Theodora turned with her adorable smile and greeted him. So it showed they had met before, greeted him with pleasure. Good God! How much could happen in a week? Why had he stayed in Paris? if morella Winmerly had glanced round at his face even her thick perceptions must have grasped the disturbance which was marked there as he stood back in the shadow and gazed with angry eyes the moment she had seen him come into the box mrs devlin had said i want you to notice a man over there mrs brown in the box exactly opposite on the grand tier do you see Yes." said theodora and she perceived him shaking hands with miss Winmerly before he caught sight of her so she was forearmed and turned to the stage he is nice-looking don't you think so continued mrs devlin without a pause he is going to marry that girl in the box she is one of the richest heiresses of the day miss Winmerly i always point out hector bracondale to strangers or foreigners he is quite a show englishman bracondale lord bracondale interrupted josiah brown we met him in paris did we not my love turning to theodora he dined with us at our last evening where is he oh you know him then said mrs devlin disappointed i wanted to be the first to point him out to you they will make a handsome pair won't they he and miss wymerly very said theodora listlessly with an air of dragging her thoughts from the music with difficulty while she suddenly felt sick and cold and are they to be married soon I don't know exactly, but it has been going on for years, and we all look upon it as a settled thing. She is always about with his mother. Is that Lord Brackendale's mother? The lady with the cornet of plates and the huge white egrette with the diamond drops in it? Theodora asked. Her voice was schooled and had no special tones in it, but, oh, how she was thrilling with interest and excitement underneath yes that is lady Brackendale. she is quite a type always dresses in that old-fashioned way and won't know a soul who is not of her own set she is a cousin of one of my husband's aunts i must introduce you to her she looks pretty haughty announced josiah brown i should not care to tread on her toes much and then he remembered he had seen her years ago driving through the little town of Brackendale. theodora asked no more questions she kept her eyes fixed on the stage but she knew hector had raised his glasses now and was scanning the box and had probably seen her what ought it to matter to her that he should be going to marry miss Winmerley? he could be nothing to her only only but perhaps it was not true this woman mrs devlin whom she began to feel she should dislike very much had said it was looked upon as settled not that it was a fact how could a man be going to marry one woman and make desperate love to another at the same time it was impossible and yet she would not look in any case she would not once raise her eyes that way and so in these two boxes green jealousy held sway and while hector glared across at theodora she smiled at delaval stirling and spoke softly of the music and the voices though her heart was torn with pain do you see hector Brackendale is back again delaval mrs devlin said do you know why he stayed in paris so long i heard and she whispered low so that theodora only caught the name esclamon de chartres and their modulated mocking laughter how they jarred upon her how she felt she should hate london among all these people whose ways she did not know she turned a little and josiah's vulgar familiar face seemed a relief to her and her tender eyes melted in kindliness as she looked at him you are very pale to-night my love he said, Would you like to go home? But this she would not agree to, and pulled herself together and tried to talk gaily when the curtain went down. And Hector blamed his own folly for having come up to this box at all. Here he must be glued certainly for a few moments. Now that they could talk, politeness could not permit him to fly off at once. The house is very full, Miss Winmerly said it was a remark she always made on big nights and yet hardly any new faces about yes said hector does it compare with the opera house in paris hector miss Winmerley hardly ever went abroad no said hector not only had delaval sterling retained his seat but chris harford Mrs. Devlin's brother had entered the box now, and was assiduously paying his court. "'Damned impertinence of the woman, forcing her relations upon them like that,' he thought. "'Oh, uh, no, that is, I think the Paris Opera House is a beastly place,' he said absently. "'A dull, heavy drab brown and dirty gilding, and all the women look hideous in it.' "'Really?' said Morella i thought everything in paris was lovely you should go over and see for yourself he said then you could judge i think most things there are lovely though miss Winmerley raised her glasses now and examined the house her eyes lighted at last on theodora dear lady Brackendale," she said do you look at that woman in black velvet what splendid pearls do you think they are real is it i wonder with florence devlin but hector felt he could not stay and hear their remarks about his darling so he got up and murmuring he must have a talk to his friends in the house left the box he was thankful at least theodore was sitting on the pit tier he could walk along the gangway and talk to her from the front she saw him coming and was prepared so no wild roses tinged her cheeks and her greeting was gravely courteous that was all an icy feeling crept over him what was the change this subtle change in voice and eyes he suddenly had the agonizing sensation of being a great way off from her shut out of paradise a stranger what had happened what had he done everyone knows the opera house and where he would be standing and the impossibility of saying anything but the most banal commonplaces looking up like that then josiah leaned forward proud of his acquaintanceship with a peer and said in a distant voice won't you come into the box lord Brackendale? there is plenty of room he had not taken to either delaval sterling or chris harford and thought a change of company would not come amiss they had ignored him, and should pay for it. Hector made his way joyfully to the back, and entering was greeted affably by his host, so the other two men got up to leave and make room for him. He sat down behind Theodora, and Mrs. Devlin saw it would be wiser to conciliate Josiah by her interested conversation. She hoped to make a good thing out of this millionaire and his unknown wife and it would not do to ruffle him at this stage of the affair theodora hardly turned thus hector was obliged to lean quite forward to speak to her i have seen my sister to-night he said and she wants so much to meet you i said perhaps she would find you to-morrow will you be at home in the afternoon any time i expect so replied theodora she was longing to face him to ask him if it was true he was going to marry that large pink-faced young woman opposite who was now staring down upon them with fixed opera-glasses but she felt frozen and her voice was a frozen voice hector became more and more unhappy he tried several subjects he told her the last news of her father and mrs mcbride she answered them all with the same politeness until Maddened beyond bearing, he leaned still farther toward and whispered in her ear, For God's sake, what is it? What have I done? Nothing, said Theodora. What right had she to ask him any question, when for these seven nights and days since they had parted, she had been disciplining herself not to think of him in any way? She must never let him know it could matter to her now nothing then why are you so changed ah how it hurts he whispered passionately and she turned and looked at him and he saw that her beautiful eyes were no longer those pure depths of blue sky in which he could read love and faith but were full of mist as of a curtain between them he put his hand up to touch the little gold case he carried always now in his waistcoat pocket which contained her letter he wanted to assure himself it was there and she had written it and it was not all a dream theodora's tender heart was wrung by the passionate distress in his eyes is that your mother over there you were with she asked more gently how beautiful she is yes he said my mother and morella Winmerly, whom the world in general and my mother in particular have decided i am going to marry she did not speak she felt suddenly ashamed she could ever have doubted him it must be the warping atmosphere of mrs devlin's society for these last days which had planted thoughts so foreign to her nature in her she did not yet know it was jealousy pure and simple which attacks the sweetest as well as the bitterest soul among us all but a thrill of gladness ran through her as well as shame and aren't you going to marry her then she said at last she is very handsome hector looked at her and a wave of joy chased out the pain he had suffered that was it then they had told her this already and she hated it, she cared for him still. "'Surely you need not ask me,' he said, deep reproach in his eyes. "'You must be very changed in seven days to even have thought it possible.' The shame deepened in Theodora. She was indeed unlike herself to have been moved at all by Mrs. Devlin's words, but she would never doubt again, and she must tell him that forgive me she said quite low while she looked away i of course i ought to be pleased at anything which made you happy but oh i hated it theodora he said i ask you do not act with me ever to what end we know each other's hearts and i hope it would pain you were i to marry any other woman as much as in like circumstances it would pain me yes it would pain me she said simply but oh we must not speak thus please please talk of the music or the the oh anything but ourselves and he tried hard for the few moments which remained before the curtain rose again tried hard but it was all dust and ashes and as he left the box and returned to his own seat next door his heart felt like lead how would he be able to follow the rules he had laid down for himself during his week of meditations in paris alone you see dear lady brackendale morella windmerley had been saying hector knows that woman with the pearls he is sitting talking to her now hector knows everyone morella lend me your glasses mine do not seem to work tonight yes i suppose by some she would be considered pretty lady brackendale continued when the lorgnette was fixed to her focus what do you think dear pretty exclaimed miss widmerly oh no much too white and oh her foreign looking we must find out who she is the matter was not difficult half the house had been interested in the newcomer the beautiful newcomer with the wonderful pearls who must be worth while in some way, or she would not be under the wing of Florence Devlin. By the time Hector again entered their box in the last act, Miss Winmerly had obtained all the information she wanted from one of the many visitors who came to pay their court to the heiress, and the information reassured her, only the wife of a colonial millionaire, no one of her world, or who could trouble her early next morning while she sat in her white flannel dressing-gown her hair screwed in curling pins after the brantinghams ball she wrote in her journal the customary summary of her day and ended with h b returned same as usual running after a new woman nobody of importance but i had better watch it and clinch matters between him and me before goodwood ordered the pink silk after all from the new little dressmaker and beat her down three pounds as to price begun marvelloso hair-tonic then as it was broad daylight after carefully replacing in its drawer this locked chronicle of her maiden thoughts she retired to bed to sleep the sleep of those just persons whose digestions are as strong as their absence of imagination End of chapter seventeen